0: Well, good morning to everybody. It is good to be back. I missed everybody last week so much. For those of you who don't know, I was in Africa last week, uh, and man, it was an experience and a half. It's about uh, 6.30 p.m. for me right now, uh, which means around 1 a.m. I woke up and I was like, hmm, it's a good time to be awake, uh, <laughs> I, but, uh, man, I had such an incredible time. I, I was with an organization called Compassion out in Uganda, and uh, we got to preach at a pastor's conference, 600 pastors from East Africa were there. We uh, spent Sunday with a local church, uh, which just, he, he took us on a walk of the vicinity of his church. And just in a walk, a, a 10 to 15-minute walk, we passed about 10 brothels uh, and, and the shanty town that was right there. Jet lag, got my throat going crazy right now. Um, and so and so we got to worship with them. He had a, uh, right next door to the church, he had bought a plot of land where they were teaching young men how to be carpenters. Because uh, that is one of the, the great skills in Uganda to have right now to make sure that they can have a job. Uh, and then one of the days we went to a compassion site, which this church, uh, every day they had 300 children that they were educating, feeding, uh, and being with Uh Uh, Every single day, uh, you know, from childhood, they they call the survival stage from zero to four because they see a lot of infant uh, death from uh, zero to one and then from zero to one to four. Uh, So they stay with them from pregnancy all the way to the time they're 22. They go through schooling, uh, making sure that they have fed, that they have clothes, all of this just incredible, incredible work. Uh, And then the last day, we had to fly out from Nairobi before we flew out from Nairobi I got to do a crazy Kenyan safari. Uh, if you missed my Insta stories, I was hanging out with lions and cheetahs for a couple of days, uh, which was pretty nuts. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be here. Specifically, I missed you all last week. And I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and I'm excited to jump back into Proverbs. And uh, if you remember the last time uh, we were in Proverbs, we went through what it means to be a good neighbor. We talked about the good neighbor. Today, we're going to be talking about the good friend. Uh, and if you remember last, when we talked about the good neighbor, what's interesting about the word neighbor and the word friend is they are both the actually the same Hebrew word, uh, but gets translated differently in English uh, based off of its context because in Hebrew, it is used uh, many different ways. Uh, and so t- today, we're going to be looking at the points where it's used as a, uh, in the context of being someone's friend. And this is important, uh, and it may not seem important to talk about something like this, but it is because it's important uh, because our friendships or how we deal with others speaks to a transformed heart, and that's why this is important. It speaks to godly character, or it speaks to the lack thereof of godly character. When we are praying for God to transform us, many times what he will do is he will use our friends around us to see that transformation happen. And that's why I think it's important to talk about this. And as I said when we started this series, you know, a lot of us, or all of us, I should say, have had bad friendships. We've had broken relationships where people have let us down, uh, where people have walked away when we thought they shouldn't have walked away or have done things to us that have hurt us or have been really painful to us. And so while we're going through today the The thing that's going to uh, be easy for us to do is think, oh, you know, this person should have heard about that. But I want to remind us today uh, of what I said when we first started is we want to really use this series to search inward, Uh, not to point the finger at other people, but to look at us and say, man, how can I be a better friend towards others? So this is not about picking your best friend, right, Uh, which will be easy to do. This is about being the best friend towards somebody. Because a good friend, as we'll read, is a godly friend. And that's what you want to be in the lives of others, a godly friend, a godly person. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four characteristics of a good friend today. And what's interesting about these characteristics is all of these characteristics you will find that God has. God has all of these characteristics. So Us becoming better friends, us becoming good friends to the people around us is us being transformed into the image of God, being more like God in the people's lives around us. The Christian walk that we have today does not just deal with us and God. God says the two greatest commandments are to love God and then to love people. If your relationship with God is not transforming your relationship with people, then I would say that you are not having a true relationship with God in the first place. A lot of people think it is just between me and God, but that is a lie. And so the first thing that we're going to look at today is the characteristic of a good friend is consistency. Consistency. So people who are only good to you in good times, right, those people are easy to find. I was uh, watching, I forget what, I think it was Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Uh, it's uh, Jerry Seinfeld, great comedian. He does this thing where he goes and he gets coffee with people. And he was with one comedian, and they were going back to this comedian's hometown where he grew up. And it, was, it was hysterical because the guys, like, walking through the streets, people are just coming up to him like, hit him up, give him a pound, and then just kind of waiting around. And he's like, they just waiting for me to give them money. Every time I come home, you know, everybody comes, say hi. He pulls out a wad of cash and just starts, like, passing out $100 bills uh, to everybody. And the the point of this is it's really easy to find people. When you are are having good times and you fall upon success, right, everybody wants to be your friend. Proverbs speaks about this. Everywhere, but we're going to just read one proverb because it sums it up. In Proverbs 14, 20, it says this, The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich man has many friends, or the rich has many friends. You know, when I was a kid, I used to always call people my friend. I I would just meet them. I was very outgoing as a kid. Now, it's hard to believe because I'm such an introvert as, as an adult. My mom would always ask me, what happened to you? You know, like something attacked me when I was a kid and made me an introvert because it's so wrong to be one. Uh, and so when I was a kid, I was really outgoing, and I would sit by the window and just wave hi to people as they were going by. Uh, and my, my son Levi does that now. It's really funny, except he's on the third floor, and I was on the first floor. I'm like, Levi, they can't hear you. At least they could hear me when I was your age, you know. Uh, and, and so I was a kid. I would, I would meet somebody, and then I'd come home, and I'd tell my dad about my new friend. And my dad would always tell me, Justin, that's not a friend, that's an acquaintance. You don't know that person. Like You don't know who they are. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know if they're good for you or they're bad for you. Uh, So just be careful about who you call your friends in your life. Uh, And it was a good lesson because good friends are not people who just kind of come in your life for a moment and then leave. Good friends are people that stick with you through the good times and the hard time. Do you have that, that friend that has kind of been with you? Maybe you've been separated for a while, but you hang out again, and it's like you never, you, you never miss the beat. You're able to talk through. You're able to cry with them, laugh with them, hang out with them. Or, or that friend that you know, every single day, I can talk to this person. I can tell them, you know, what I'm going through. Just it doesn't matter if I'm rich or I'm poor or I got a good job, bad job. This person is going to be there with me. So not everyone is that kind of friend. Uh, not everyone is going to be there with you through the good times and through the hard times. That's why one of the greatest characteristics of a good friend is consistency. Proverbs 18, 24, second part says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs seventeen seventeen the first part says, A friend loves at all times. Good friends stick around. You know, something I always found strange about church people is this, is that when, when I leave a church or I, I have, say I move away or something happens and I move on, so often in the church, just nobody stays your friend. You know, there's a lot of laughs because you all found that <laughs> to be true in your life. I've always found this really strange. Like, what is up with that? Why, why can't we go to other? It's like it's almost like if somebody leaves a church, it's like we're saying goodbye to our friendship as well. And I've always found this to be really weird because, like, you don't find that in too many places. Like, man, we just went through a lot of stuff for a lot of years, and and just because you're going to another church, we're not allowed to talk to each other anymore. It's it's, it's like we got to say goodbye. We got to, uh, you know. I guess I can't call you anymore <laughs> you know you're not with me for an hour on Sunday anymore uh, you know I, I guess I can't talk to you anymore uh and I've always just found this really weird uh because what I would say is what we've built in the church is we've not been building friendships we've been bu- we've been building co-workers you know co-workers are great I think you know Everybody wants a good coworker, right? Because the person that you co-labor with, the person you work with, you don't want them to be a jerk. You want them to be nice. You want them to have the niceties in life so that uh, you can go to your 9 to 5 and, and enjoy. But what's different about being a co-worker is when I go to work, I, I know that this is my co-worker. Uh, but when I go to a church, I, I want to label everybody friend and family, but what, we, what I've found is that churches don't really have real community. What we have is we have a co-working relationship, and as soon as we stop co-working together, we stop doing life together. We have a bunch of people that will drop whoever they're with in church in a moment just because they've started attending an assembly somewhere else. I think one of, the, of my barometers... Of a good friend is would I chill with this person even if we didn't work together, or even if we didn't go to church together? Now listen, not everybody in the church is going to be your best friend. I think that's another misconception. Is is we think that we're going to have two hundred best friends, and that's not the case. It's, it's just not possible to do that. But what we do want is we want to have real community in the church. And so if, 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 if you can do some introspection for a second, if you never came back again, if this was your last Sunday at Zion, would you still have friends? And if the answer is no, is if you can't see, a lot of times we want to blame everybody around us. Well, if, if they'll never call me back, that's, you know, that, that just goes to show you. Well, yeah, it goes to show you that you weren't a good friend to anybody. Right, and I I agree that there is a church responsibility to follow up and to care for people and all that. But again, we're talking about ourselves right now. Talking about ourselves, if we were to leave today, would we have friends from this place that would call us, hang out with us, be with us? Because I think that's one of the marks of real community is that we may not see each other once a week, but we have developed a bond. We have developed a friendship. We have developed community that transcends whether what assembly we go to on a Sunday. It transcends whether we work together or we co-labor together or not. It transcends all those things because we have had intimate, deep life moments with one another. To dive deep into real community... Right? One of our core values as a church is community. In order to truly have that, we need to create friendships that go through good and bad. That transcend place, that transcend workplace. What happens is we create a lonely life. When we only have coworkers around us, whether at work or at church or in our family, is we have a lonely life. We have no one to really share authentically what's happening in our heart, what's happening in our home, what's happening in our family, what's, what's happening in, in the things around us. And that's why we can sit in a place with hundreds of people around us but still be lonely. It's the epidemic of New York City. Because we like the idea of good friendships, but we don't like the vulnerability of good friendships. We don't like to bring down the walls of letting people in. Maybe we've been hurt before, or, or maybe we just, you know, don't have the time. We'd rather be alone. But God calls us to good friendship, to consistency in friendship that transcends time, transcends place, that over time, and we can say, wow, this, this person has been with me for a long time. And what the next characteristic we'll explain more is how to have these types of long-lasting friendships in your life. The next characteristic we're going to talk about is candor or honesty. In Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A friend tells the truth. Even when it hurts. That's what it means. Faithful are the wounds of a of a friend. It means even the truth, the painful truth that they tell us that is faithful to us, that is a true friend, that they can tell us something that's true, even if it's going to be something that hurts. If you cannot speak truth to someone, then you are not in a good friendship, and you are not being a good friend. I know how close I am to someone generally by how honest I can be with them. Right? It, it's a tricky situation because painful honesty creates deep friendship, but right, the, the deeper the honesty is already requires some sort of deep friendship to be established or to have happened. I can't just walk up to somebody that I just met that day and be like, you know, you're a real arrogant jerk. I just want to let you know, you know, there's, there's my honesty for you today. Right As much as I've wanted to say that, I'm sure a lot of people have wanted to say that to me. You can't just walk up to rent. There's a little too many laughs for that one, okay? <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> I know what God's dealing me with. Don't worry. <laughs> right, as much as I'd want to say that to someone, I wouldn't because they wouldn't receive it. I'm not a good friend to them yet. Right. Maybe over time I'll be able to establish some rapport, some, some equity with them where I can say, I think it's time that we had a heart-to-heart. You're an arrogant jerk. (laughs) Maybe a little kinder, put a little honey on the words, but essentially that's what I'd be saying. But there is a point in every friendship that an honest moment is needed. Right? And, And saying yes to honesty will be saying yes to taking the first step in a good friendship. Now that's why I believe marriage requires good friendship between the spouse. Because if you aren't honest with each other, right, you, you get past your honeymoon like two weeks in, and you're like, I didn't know you did all that. And then either I'm going to stuff all that inside and hate you and become bitter towards you. It's, it's, it's uh, what marriage does is it escalates. It just has to happen really quick. But in, in friendships, this Maybe this takes six months where you get to know the person and you loved everything about them when you first met. Then they do some kind of weird things. You're like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, you did things like that or you'd say things like that. And, and you have, at that time, you have a choice. Do I cut, cut them off and move on and develop another good friend good friend for six months and then they do something weird and then I cut them off and move on? Or do I have an honest moment with them and actually enter into good friend territory and say, hey, you know what you did here that wasn't cool. In Proverbs 29.5, it says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net or a trap, snare, for his feet. See, if, if you only have a relationship with somebody that is consistent of flattery towards them, what you are doing is you are leading that person to a trap. You are setting a snare before their feet. Right, you tell somebody, man. Someone comes up to me with a dumb idea, and you tell them, you can do anything you want. No, you can't. Right, that, was, that was sometimes somebody just needed. Yeah, that was a stupid idea. I don't think you should do that, and this is why. Right? You, we we live in the culture of everyone gets a trophy. And this is this is flattery culture. You are special. You can do everything. Don't worry. Anything that you set your mind to, you can do. And and here's a trophy for not showing up on time. And here's a trophy for being last place. And here's a trophy for being the worst in the class. And here's a trophy. You know, like and we we've created a society where we flatter each other constantly. And, And what that has done is we've shut off true honesty. To one another. And we have led each other into a trap. I remember I thought, you know, I grew up thinking I was really special, that I can do everything better than my parents could. And my first kind of forays into ministry, I remember hanging my head down and walking into my dad's office and just saying, I'm sorry. And he, he perked up, you know. What do you tell me, son, what are you sorry about? <laughs> I was like, you know, I really, I thought it was easy. I thought you, you just weren't doing it right, and I can do it better. And I realized my pride, uh, and I'm sorry. Sometimes we've, we've shut ourselves off. My dad was trying to tell me, son, I don't think that's how you're supposed to do it. But I had just grown up in a culture that flattered me all the time, that told me I knew the best, and I was the best, and I thought I could do the best. We have sheltered ourselves from the truth and only have surrounded ourselves with positivity. And that has led us to the trap. Sometimes, let me tell you this a cheerleader is the worst thing for you. What if you are walking away from God's call? What if you're about to jump into sin? I don't want someone telling me to follow my heart if my heart is leading me into sin. I want my friend to tell me, no, your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Don't do what your heart wants you to do. Your heart is dumb sometimes. Your heart doesn't know what it wants. Only Christ knows what is best for you. More than we need yes men in our lives, we need truth tellers in our lives. When you surround yourself with only people who agree with you, you are laying a trap for yourself you are going to fall into the snare. A good friend knows when to cheer you on and when to warn you. And that brings us to our third characteristic, which is this. The third characteristic of a good friend is giving counsel. Which means for us, it's learning to receive counsel from others. Proverbs 27.9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. There is a difference between, I would say, flattery and good counsel where you can cheer somebody on to do something good. See, flattery doesn't care about whether it's true or not. Flattery just has slick words. When someone actually cheers you on with good counsel, that is awesome. You know, I remember when I was about, I was thinking about starting my business, Uh, and I wasn't sure yet. There were a couple directions I could go. I just graduated college, so I called Christian, one of my best friends, and my brother. I was like, Chris, I don't know what to do. What, what do you think I should do? And I kind of laid out the options, and he said, why don't, you, why don't you come over for the weekend, and we'll just pray together all weekend. So I was like, sure. I went over on a, a Friday after youth, and I slept over Friday night, slept over Saturday night. And we prayed, and we uh, just had a great time of praying and talking throughout the entire weekend. And at the end of the weekend, uh, it was clear that God was leading me to start the business. And Chris had given me good counsel. He said, at the end of the weekend, he's like, Justin, I think you should do this. From everything that we've heard, everything that we've prayed, and what we just feel like where where God was going this weekend, I think this is a good idea. You know, there are a lot of reasons why it wasn't a good idea. One, I had just gotten a finance degree. All of my friends were getting jobs, making $70,000, $80,000 starting off. Uh, And here I was, uh, signing on to live another year with my parents, Uh, and to being broke and only having a part-time job, uh, where I'd spent four years to get a really, really good job. Another reason why it wasn't good is I just got engaged, and so I was now planning a wedding on a part-time salary and, again, signing up to live with my parents uh, for another year. Uh, But what God had spoken to us during that weekend was God was going to use The business that was going to be started in order to to free me up to do the ministry that God had called me to do later on in life. And those words couldn't be any truer. You know, it was the right time for Chris to cheer me on, but we did it with godly counsel. Justin, this may look like a dumb idea. This may be bad, but we've prayed, we've considered, we've asked God for wisdom, and we believe that God is calling you by faith to make this move. But sometimes, counsel is not what you want to hear, and that's still good counsel. In Proverbs chapter 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now, this may be one of the most quoted proverbs uh, in history. This is, this is the, the men's ministry proverb in every church. You know? This is what they use for it. Uh, but what we, what we need to understand is that a friend sharpens you through clashing, when iron sharpens iron, it's not, let me take you to a day spa for a good rubdown. That's not iron sharpening iron. And that's what we think about when, you know, we think about uh, a good friend in counsel sometimes. It's like, man, how do I put this in uh, the nicest way to say no to you? When iron sharpens iron, it causes friction. It's a hard strike. It doesn't do it by gently tapping or rubbing it. You gotta hit that thing. If you've ever seen someone sharpen a sword, they have it on this kind of the the this rock thing that spins really fast and you throw the sword on it and it gets sharpened by the friction that is created when you put it on that and there's sparks flying and all this craziness because it is it is not an easy feeling. It's not a nice feeling. It is it is hard. It is a pounding, it is. Something that is not easy. And what a good friend will sharpen you through disagreeing with you or giving you counsel that may not be the thing that you wanted to hear. A good friend will tell you no. When I did first start my business, a couple months later, I my, my childhood best friend, uh, he came on to work with me and you know, I'm I'm what you call naturally a type A personality, if anybody knows about type A personalities, which means type A personalities, what they say is about type A's is they, they think about the task, and they just think about whatever needs to get done. I don't care what we need to do, right? The ends justify the means. Uh, I just want to get things done. I like to see things get done. I like to have my task list, all this other stuff. And so I would always start off work when I first started, and I... You know, Josh would come in and I, we would begin work, and I, would, I wouldn't say good morning to him. I'd just be like, hey, did you get this done? Where are we at with this? Uh, where are we at with that? And one day, Josh said to me, he goes, and you know, I'm his boss at this point. He goes, you know, you're a real a hole. <laughs> he said the whole thing, but I'm trying to at least Christianize it a little bit for you all here. But let's be real. Sometimes you just need somebody that says it like it is. And I was like, okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Why are you saying that? He's like, he said, you can at least say hi to me in the morning before you start asking me to do things. You can at least say good morning. You know, yesterday, you didn't even say goodbye when we were leaving work. You just left. And he said, to me, I think you're just being a, a big jerk. And I was like, man, you know, I had no clue that I was doing that. I'm, I'm just thinking I have a one-trained one mind mode. I just want to get things done. And I didn't realize what I was doing to him was I was being incredibly insensitive, not only to him, but what happened was because he said that to me, I was able to begin to change my attitude, whereas like now when we started hiring more people, I would start off, okay, how are you doing? How's today? How was your weekend? And not just like a trivial, because everybody can tell when you just don't care about them, right? You're just trying to get the niceties out of the way, but actually genuinely caring about something like, how have you been? And he became the first piece of the puzzle of me realizing that, hey, getting things done isn't more important than the people that I work with. The people that I work with, how they feel, who they are, what they're going through is more important than the things that we get done at the office. And if he never shared that with me, if he wasn't being a good friend by calling me out in my sin towards him then who knows the monster that I would have continued to be creating in myself of like, I'm the boss, I just want to get things done, and you're just going to do it. That's why you're here. You know, We've a lot of us have been in that type of work environment. What happens? You hate it. You don't want to be there. You just can't wait to get out of there. But if you've ever had somebody that you work with that's like, man, they actually care about me, they actually care about my life, that, that changes the entire work environment. And so what happens is when you have a good friend in your life, they can tell you to your face, Yo, what's up with you? You know, that was wrong, what you did. And instead of allowing the defensiveness coming out, because I can tell you, the, the defensive walls come out. Yo, who are you? <laughs> who do you think you are? You know, like, I'm your boss, bro. You don't talk like that to me. Right? These are the honest things that you're, I'm just saying you, but I'm thinking But then that little small voice, the Holy Spirit just starts bothering me. You were really a jerk yesterday, Justin. You you probably could be nicer. There's, There's truth in what he's saying to you. So many times we get so defensive, we want only people that flatter us in our life that just have nice things to say about us all the time. That when the real friend comes around and tells the truth and is a truth teller in our life, we shut them out and move on. Because, oh, I could never be wrong. I'm perfect. No, that's not me. Man, if five people in your life have told you the same thing, guess what? It's not them, it's you. And God tries to send people that will help mold and shape our character, good friends. And when they tell us the truth, we shut them out. And we're not realizing that the sharpening that God wants to happen in our life and in our character, the way that we talk and the way that we act, are coming from the painful conversations of people that are close to us. And instead of saying, oh, no, they're always wrong, or that's not me, or they don't know what they're talking about, actually sit down and try to consider when the next time somebody says something about you that you don't like, instead of saying, nope, not me, sit down and say, is this me? Maybe I should ask some other people. Maybe I, sh- I should call, it, hey, have I ever done this before? Just be honest with me. What you may find is a lot of people are like, yeah, actually, you do that all the time. Yeah, I noticed that a while ago. All right. Yeah, I don't want to tell you, but that's you, bro. And what happens in those moments is you can allow God to begin to shape your character to be more like him. And you get to find out who are the people that actually care about me enough. It's like when I have food in my teeth. The person that tells me, I'm just like, thank you. You know, I smiled at 100 people today. And every single one of those hundred people saw that poppy seed just staring at them right there. But you were the only one that told me that it was there. You just elevated in my book. You're a good friend. I don't even know you, but let me tell you, let me get your number because we're going to hang out this weekend. I like you. Now, you know the people that care about you or the people that are willing to go the extra mile. Those are the people that will tell you the truth even when it hurts. Because nobody wants to have a hard conversation. Nobody wants to tell somebody that they're wrong. It's not a fun thing to do. When somebody can actually do that and they're caring and they're loving, don't let somebody like that go. Because it's not easy to find people that are willing to go the uncomfortable, take the uncomfortable step and say, hey, I think you should consider this. And you may have people in your life that have stopped telling you that because every time that they have told you, you said "Nah, Ah, stop it. It's not me. Leave me alone. They're afraid that they may lose their fingers because last time you bit them at, at, when they said something to you. and They're like, you know what? I'm not going to tell them anything anymore. And so what does it look like to actually be a community that receives feedback from people And instead of saying, well, I don't like you anymore, they say, man, you may actually really care for me. You may actually be a good friend. You may actually have wise and good counsel in my life. A good friend knows when to cheer you on and when to cause friction in your relationship. The fourth and last characteristic that we'll talk about today is tact or respect. Now, this is funny because some of this is just common sense, but you know how common sense isn't too common? So I just want to read these and just leave some of these out there for you. You know, don't blame me. Proverbs 25, 17 says this. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Right? Outstaying your welcome or forcing your friendship on you, not cool. You know, don't don't do that. Learn, you know, okay, read the signs, you know, when the yawns are coming or people just start leaving the room, you know, or they start, you know, in my house we start flipping the chairs upside down, putting them on the table, Okay, it's time to go, guys, you know? <laughs> Proverbs 27, 14 says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. This is hysterical, right? <laughs> There's just, like, one story I always remember of, like, somebody waking up early and just, like, any, if, if you're an early riser, okay? That sounded like, well, Mike, I was thinking about you, Mike. I've heard a couple of stories. <laughs> you're an early riser, you know, this this is one of the reasons why I love my wife. She's an early riser and I'm not. She just leaves me alone (laughs) in the morning. There is one easy way to get on my nerves is talk to me in the morning. Just talk to me in the morning. Talk to me when I get up. That is an easy way, right? Knowing the appropriate times for the appropriate modes in your life, being joyful, when it's time for joy, that's good. Being sad when it's time for sadness and not flipping those around like if somebody's sad and going through something, or somebody just woke up and you're coming in like, Yippee-yayo! It's like, yo, get out of my face. <laughs> Who are you right now? <laughs> But here's the, here's the kicker for this one. And th- this one, I, I got to be honest with you guys. This one, it kind of dug deep when I read this. I know Heather didn't read my sermon, so when she hears this one, she's going to love this one. Proverbs 26, 18 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all heard that laugh, right? See, I'm guilty of this one. Me and Heather have this ongoing joke, not so much of a joke, in the house because, like, I'll just say something crazy and then just be like, I'm only joking, though. <laughs> and I tell you, when I read this, I was like, man, I'm about to cry, God, what are you doing? Because, right, how often do we, like, just jokingly rip somebody apart and it's just like you just went right in for the wound and just opened it up and just kind of made it available for everybody? And it's like, Haha, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Like <laughs> okay, oh, thanks. It's like yo, that's not cool. Right? I always tell people God gave me a kind wife because I am so much of what my best friend called me earlier in the message that I need somebody to kind of even me out to 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 be kind. I wanted my kids to have a chance of being kind people. Right? And so. Something as simple as this is, is God working on our character, right? How we joke with our friends, right? If you're the person that always is, is joking, and then at the end, you, I'm only joking, but it's just kind of like, dude, did you have to say that? Would <laughs> you have to go there, or, or that hurt, right? Because, listen, if this is you, you're sarcastic, and you know the best jokes have a little bit of truth in them. And so when you want to you get a good laugh, it's because you said a little bit of truth and then you exaggerated a little bit, and then it's just like, haha, just kidding, but not really. <laughs> God's transformation even works in this. And that brings me some solace as I was reading this and preparing the message, because I was thinking, God. Like, I'm not even on my own when it comes to how I joke around with people. Like, you even work in in those minute details of my life. That, like, even in my simple conversations with my friends, and some things that I may think, oh, because it's not adultery or it's not drunkenness that God doesn't care about it. That is so false. That's so wrong. And a lot of times we... We think like that because we just want to fly under the radar and a lot of the bad habits that we have. But God cares even about the little ways we treat others and how we act towards others. That character-forming prayers and repentance, even in instances like this, look like this. God, forgive me for not filtering that joke and being mean to that person. And then going to that person, forgive me for what I said. I went too far. I'm trying to work on it. You know what i found is nothing makes you wise up faster than realizing that you're going to have to apologize for what you're about to say. If you create a habit of repenting not only to God but to people for what you say and your actions, what will happen is you will think twice before you have to do Before you do or say something like that again. Because the shame or the guilt that comes along with repentance actually becomes a good buffer to stop you from saying dumb things or doing sin again. But what's really cool about all of this is this. Is that we need to understand that the greatest friend that we have and the greatest example of friendship possible is Jesus. John 15, 12, it says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one other, no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is saying this to his disciples: follow my example. Be good friends to others, as I have been the greatest friend to you. When everyone else has left you, I was there. Jesus has never led us astray. He has grafted each and every single one of us into his family. And he has paid the ultimate sacrifice, even while we were still unwilling to acknowledge him. there are friends in my life that were unwilling to acknowledge our friendship that God said, nope, pursue them. Stop being a baby. Be kind to them. And those have turned out to be some of the greatest friendships that I have in my life. When you want to know about the theology of friendship, know what theology of Christ's love and sacrifice because his love and sacrifice no no bounds. There are people that we need to repent to. There are people that we need to be honest with. There are people we need to stop lying to in our lives. And there are people that we need to be kinder to. We cannot walk away thinking that God does not care about how we repent in our friendships. Sometimes we have this list of sins where these are the sins that I need to repent of and confess and these are the sins that I don't. Or maybe uh, that doesn't even seem like a sin. It's not a big deal. God cares deeply about how we treat our friends because what it does is it reflects on how much we know about him. If you have never met Christ, the friend who sticks closer than a brother, then I want to invite you to the first greatest friend that you will ever have in your life today. Because from this friendship, you get to learn how to be a friend to those around you. Like I said, the theology of friendship starts first with having a great theology of Christ. Because if I think about all the good ways that he has been towards me, The kindness that he's had, the mercy, the grace, the faithfulness, the ways that I have been rude to him and the ways that he's caringly loved me through my sin. He's been there when I've confessed. He's welcomed me with open arms when I've repented. God, help me to be that type of friend to others. That you have been honest with me when I was wrong. You have never led me astray, you have never flattered me, you have cheered me when it was the right time to cheer, and you have caused friction when it was the right time to cause friction. These are all the things that I would say, this is what my relationship with God has been like. And if we have not learned how to deal with others like this, then I would say we have not learned how to have God as a friend like this. The more that we learn about Christ will reflect and how we treat others as a good friend. Can you stand and pray with me?